Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and this is The Point. We unpack the objective truth. This distinct blue-chip discussion is for all of Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. The Point is the place to be for compelling, distinct discussion not heard anywhere else. We supremely uncover the details and expose the hidden facts of the initiatives that are being supported by our lawmakers and our candidates who are running for office. And we also discuss the developments in the milestones that are not being thoroughly reported by the Pravda propaganda fake news mainstream media. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this week and every week. We appreciate you being a part of what we're doing here. I mean, we on the point are the beacon of uh, that you turn to for, for an explanation to the, ex- the unexplainable, I guess. In times of political upheaval and turmoil, we do attempt to unpack the truth in a way that does pack a punch. And that's why we're here. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, uh, leadership versus activism. I think that's going to be the phrase of the day. Leadership versus activism. Uh, here we are, week 15 of Tom Wolf's Flatten the Economy shutdown. And we're seeing activism, not leadership. Why? Because new recoveries are outnumbering new infections by over 10 to 1. Hospitalizations are a fraction of where they were just a month ago. And yet we still see an effort to keep businesses from opening up. Oh, and by the way, and, and you know, it's being told to us by our activist governor and our activist lieutenant governor and our activist um physician general we're being told that getting out the reason they keep the economy shut down is for our safety they want to look at facts and data and and the scientific facts and data that's what they want to look at and so they've been holding that against us saying okay well the science and the data show us that we can't do the opening and that's why they're doing it well then of course they went out and made sure that they uh sure that our governor was out there uh protesting in the streets in philadelphia with six thousand other people And I thought, okay, he's out there with a few thousand people and uh, he's not practicing what he's telling everyone else to do. I guess I guess the right to protest is more important than the right to sustain and operate your business and provide for your family and pursue your happiness. I guess, uh, Your Honor, I guess uh, that the governor and and his activist lieutenant governor and his uh, his activist physician general. All three do not really believe, Your Honor. They don't really believe what they're telling us, that it's for our safety. Your Honor, I, uh, prosecution rests its case on the fact that the governor was out there protesting in the midst of, of what he claims to be a very dangerous situation. Your Honor, I do rest. Prosecution does rest. Look, the governor's guilty, folks, of lying to the public. He's a liar. The governor is a liar. Okay, and uh, I'm going to call it out the way it is. He's a liar. Okay, he's been lying to the Pennsylvanians for the last 15 weeks in his attempt to flatten this economy. Uh, And the evidence of that is that he was out there protesting, obviously showing that the rights of the protesters to peacefully protest was more important than the rights of those uh, Pennsylvanians trying to sustain and operate their businesses. And I got, I must say, folks, I'm, I'm blown away by this, by the hypocrisy on this. But I'm even more disturbed at the media malpractice that took place because I did not see anyone in the Philadelphia media market hammer this governor for this. I really didn't see this. And, and so we're going to do the hammering right here on our show so that the people in, within our listening audience here will get the unpacked, unvarnished truth. Our governor is a liar and a hypocrite. And I say that because he's out there protesting because in, in spite of the fact that he said that we that we are in a dangerous situation and that we need to keep our our government shut down. Folks, uh, I'm blown away by this. I'm blown away by the hypocrisy of all of this. And I'm blown away at the uh, the fact that the uh, the governor is, is is playing a double game here. And I want our listeners to understand this is who these Democrats truly are. This is the political double game that they're truly playing. Our governor is going out of his way to make sure that we push this state into such dire straits. They're trying to leverage the Republican representatives to side with the Democrat representatives in Congress 
to push for a third relief package. That's what they want. Because the third relief package will include all kinds of fun things like like election reform, like, uh, well, like Planned Parenthood funding and all these other evil things that are not that are not here to, to support anybody and uh, not here to support the middle class for sure. OK, and I think that that's a very telling and a very distinct point. I want us all to understand that, folks. In spite of all that, we're in the midst of an economic comeback. In spite of all of that. And I think that we can all see that uh, we are looking at a huge improvement in our in our May numbers. The May job numbers were absolutely wonderful. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. We're going to get to that on the Watchman. I want to get to that on the Watchman. But we're going to talk a lot about the economic comeback in our in our show later this afternoon, but I'll touch on it a little bit. It's the comeback that the Democrats were all afraid of. It's the comeback that shows that Trump is the Teflon crusader. Again, coming out unscathed. And uh, I think the, the comeback is on the way and they all see it. And I think what's ironic on all this is we saw the fake experts and the Marxists make China again great again Democrats, along with several deep state players in the Justice Department and the former President Obama. Remember what they did when they tried to take out our Teflon crusader then? Our Gideon with a sword then? What they did was they came up with the Russian collusion sham. Remember that? To make China great again, Democrats, along with these deep state players in the Justice Department, along with our president, and yes, our vice president, Mr. Biden at the time, tried to sink our current president with the Russian collusion sham, and they came up with an empty sack. And remember, too, after the empty sack and after the one election, they came up with the Mueller special counsel. Remember that, that peanut gallery attempt to hang obstruction of justice around Trump's neck? Again, they came up with an empty sack. They both came up empty. Both failed to drop Trump with the American people, and that's what they couldn't stand. So the deep state players in the Justice Department seemingly attempted a bloodless coup trying to remove Trump using the 25th Amendment. Again, this came up short. They couldn't get the, they couldn't get the cooperation on that. But never fail. These same Democrats and deep state players decided to take matters into their own hands, and this time the plan was impeachment. Impeachment for a phone call. And instead of impeachment, the Democrats came up with egg on their face and another empty sack. Then the communists came out and they attempted to take out Trump by seeding this COVID virus all over the world. And again, they came up empty. Trump is still popular with his approvals are being up higher than ever before with Republicans. Trump has higher approvals than Republicans with Republicans than any other Republican president ever. I want to make sure we're clear on that, folks. When you're sitting at 92, 94%, that's higher than Dwight D. Eisenhower, okay, with Republicans. And that's certainly higher than we know from Reagan. And Reagan was very popular with Republicans. And I think uh, the reason I think that Trump continues to win and the American people continue to win, and even with this communist attempt to take out the, this country with this COVID virus, it's because God intervened and shows that he is not only is a God that wants well for us, but he's, he has further plans for this country, for you and for me and for this president. God is pulling us out of this trap that our enemies, the enemies of our country have set and caused them to fall into their own traps and their own snares. Folks, how about that? And that's just a thrilling moment to talk about. We're going to get more into the economic comeback. But I, I just think it's, an, it's interesting because I do want to mention the fact that what the Pravda media all talked about. Remember, we just added two and a half million jobs in May. OK, and we're seeing with our own eyes, all the fake experts were predicting a loss of about eight, eight million more jobs. And the Pravda propaganda media coverage a couple of months ago, well, we saw that, and we, we saw the so-called fake experts predicting a major economic collapse that would not that would not come back strong. Remember how they were all predicting it would just not come back? 
wouldn't be a V-shaped comeback. Remember CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, and ABC. Remember, remember the op-eds on the Washington Post and the New York Times. Remember, folks, they were seemingly giddy over the unemployment numbers every month. And the wordsmiths put together headlines to diminish the excitement of the great news. Remember that? I mean, what, what just came out, it's funny. The Washington Post had a headline. And it, the headline read, U.S. jobless rates unexpectedly de- declined to 13.3% in May amid pandemic. Now, that was the headline. Personally, I would have wrote a different headline for that. Like U.S. jobless claims are, you know, down, I mean, two and a half million additional jobs added in May when we predicted eight million jobs to be lost. Wow. <laughs> okay. Something like that. Look, these are the most dishonest people propagating a fraud, and they're truly acting, and they're truly acting, Your Honor, as an enemy of the people. Again, the prosecution rests. The media is acting as an enemy of the people because they continually put these fake experts out there, continually putting all this fake information out there. And what happened? We had a $2.5 million million job Swing. I mean, two and a half million jobs were added in May when they were predicting eight million to be lost. That's over ten and a half million jobs swing. It's a, it's an amazing. How could you be so far off on that? Is what I, I just can't imagine that. Well, their bias is so glaring as they seem to be wish casting terrible job numbers, and that's what I thought they were wish casting it. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's a word I'm coining here. I, I guess it's wish casting. It just seems to me that they're. They're casting their wishes, and they were hoping for bad news. They're so consumed with hate and anger, and they're leather-bent on continuing a false narrative of lying to the American people. I mean, that's really what I'm looking at. And when Trump calls them an enemy of the people, that's why he calls them an enemy of the people. They're not just naysayers. They're not just doom and gloom wish-casters. They're literally trying to create a narrative They're not trying to be right, folks, and we see that with the evidence with the polling. I guess CNN just put out a new poll showing Biden beating Trump by a bunch of points, and NBC, Washington, Wall Street Journal puts out a poll showing Biden beating Trump and all these other fake polls that show that. But inside the polling, folks, inside the numbers, you see that they're only polling about 24, 25% Republicans and 75 and 76% everybody else. And we know in this country that there's about 90 million registered Republicans. Let's just cut the comedy here, folks. Okay. We just saw what happened. It came out in these, in these primaries. Okay. There's a lot of excitement in Republican land. And, but they're doing this deliberately. And with, with Trump's approvals being over 90%, 92%, 95%, then you can know that if, if the poll is undersampling Republicans by nine or 10 points, which they are, if they're doing that, then you know the poll is going to be off by nearly that much. All right, so just say for numbers sake, they're, they're undersampling Republicans by nine points. Well, based on his approvals being at 93, 94%, then you can know that that would be an eight-point difference in the poll, which is a seven-point swing. So if he's looking at about 50, 44% in a poll, then you know it's going to be about 51, 52%. That's my point. And you know if Biden is showing that he's leading Trump by eight points, and you know he's down to Trump by a bunch of points. Because it's going to be a huge swing. When you take those votes away from them and you put it in Trump's column, it just swings it the different way. And immediately you've got a you've got a complete swing in the polling, and that's what you're looking at. So don't miss that, folks. And again, the May job numbers are so encouraging. We will get to that though. And our second show, uh, you know, later today, it's going to be talked about as the greatest comeback in American history. And it's what the Democrats have been fearing all along. And I think we're going to get into that. But I, I want to talk a little bit right now. I want to spend some time kind of going back to what we talked about to start the show off about uh, Governor Wolf flattening this economy for, quote unquote, our own good, because he feels as though that the uh that it's important for us to uh, 
keep people home and stay in home orders because after all it's safe. But then he goes out and he protests, uh, not, not demonstrating any kind of, uh, requirements that he's putting out there as necessary. And I think that he's not adhering to the same precautions that he's telling everyone else to adhere to. It's not just glaring hypocrisy, folks. Again, the governor's lying to all of us. He's lying when he says it's for the good of, of Pennsylvanians. No, no. It's for the good of his political agenda. It's it's for the good of the governor's political agenda to keep the government to keep the economy on flattened shutdown mode. So I'll say that again. The reason he's doing this is to flatten the economy because it's good for his political agenda. It is not it is not good for the Pennsylvanians. It's not good for the people of the state. And if anyone within an earshot of my voice ever hears me say that, I will again justify my statements by the evidence-based proof being his own actions. He's out there protesting with about five or six thousand other protesters in Philadelphia. And he was not he was not exercising and taking the precautions that he himself advocates as an advocate for, or supposedly allegedly an advocate for. He's just again, he he failed to put on his costume, is what happened. He's an actor that went out to play a part. But he didn't get dressed for the part. That's what that was all about. Okay, so let's just cut the comedy. This governor's a liar. But I want to talk a little bit about what we're looking at right now. And I think it's just imperative and it's instinctive that we have to understand. Okay. And again, the the idea of um, what I think is going on in this in this state. Okay. We had. We have right now, we have a big discussion to defund the police. And look, I'm going to, again, I'm going to try to explain the unexplainable. I I don't know. um, I mean, what do we do? What do we do when we need the police if we're going to defund them? I think what's really an understanding, what's really compelling and distinct here is that when when the police do their focus groups, if you will, they kind of do these focus group studies within the communities to try to figure out what the hot buttons are within the communities, uh, most of which are uh, inner city communities. They are uniformly hearing one thing. They're hearing one thing and they're hearing one thing over and over again. We need more police, not less. They all want more police, not less police. They want more representation on the streets, not less. So where is this discussion coming from to defund the police? Where is it coming from? Why are we hearing from these activist city council people in, in, in Minneapolis and in Los Angeles and in New York <laughs> Why are we hearing the need to defund the police? Where, where is that coming from? Well, folks, what happened is that in Minnesota, oh, let's just take Minneapolis. In Minneapolis, they've had some people that were elected. One of them is, uh, is uh, uh, you know, is, is, they're all activists. They're all activists. But one of them is the, uh, the uh, attorney general, I should say, the, uh, the he's, he's the state's, Attorney General, he's the state's leader there in law enforcement. It's this kid. Okay, Jeremiah, I think his name is. But they're all being told to, uh, you know, they're all out there. Uh, they got act- They got elected because the news media has failed to do their job in revealing who these people really were. I, I don't want to miss that. I think... What we're seeing a lot of is that you're, you're seeing that these people get elected because they fail. They, the truth doesn't come out. I mean, how does somebody get elected when they're an activist? How does somebody get elected when they've accomplished nothing in the private sector? How does that happen? I mean, you know, we have to ask ourselves these questions. They get they get elected because they're they're on the they're on the ballot. They go they get they get the signatures they need. So what they do is they find themselves a bunch of people that are activist minded people and they go sign their petitions. They get them on the ballot. 
And then we see these people out there and they're, uh, you know, they're doing their thing. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're out there, uh, instead of creating jobs or anything, they're just activists. So they get elected. So here we get maternity, uh, Minnesota, uh, AG Keith Ellison, and, uh, he gets elected to the attorney general spot in the state. And again, he's an activist folks. He's an activist attorney, but he got elected to the job and his kid, Jer- I think his kid, his name, uh, I think it's Jeremiah. I think his name is. He was elected to city council in Minneapolis. And both of them together support Antifa. I mean, there was a picture of Keith Ellison and his, and his son holding up an Antifa handbook. Okay. And again, the media just didn't report that. The media was not, a, that wasn't on the TV channels anywhere in Minnesota. No, Minneapolis, there wasn't anywhere. They made sure that they did not put that out there because they didn't want that information, that truth out there. So they obfuscated those facts to allow to allow this attorney general, this this Keith Ellingson, to, to be elected to AG. And again, I, 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 I think it's important that we understand that. Same thing happens here in Pennsylvania. So we elect this activist governor. The difference is he inherited his family business and then he was able to maintain it. Uh, he has uh, a business, a cabinet shop, uh, I guess, and he was making cabinets. And then when he had the essential business definitions go around, all cabinet shops except his were defined as unessential. His was, of course, essential. So his continued to operate by while everybody else's cabinet shops weren't. Well, it's kind of like the double standard. And here we go again uh, with the protests. You know, my, my precautions are important for all these small business owners who are struggling to pay their bills every week. But uh, I'm going to go out and protest anyway, because after all, I don't really believe what I'm telling you. I profess to believe that's what he's basically saying to everybody. But I want to make sure we're clear on this because this is this is a fifth dimensional solution to a problem. Okay, it's it is the unexplainable. I mean, there is no explanation for that. These these are nitwits who want to send social workers and unicorns in when 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 there's when there's, the law is being broke. I mean, the reason the logic doesn't connect is because it's fifth dimensional logic, and that just generally doesn't connect. You see, the answer to emergencies and community needs is not more social workers. You know, what's interesting is they themselves don't, they don't even know what it looks like to not have any police force. I remember listening to one of the council people, she's this, the activist, and she's out there saying, we're telling all of our police officers, please don't quit your job. We want you here. We want you to be around. We need you here. Just do your job until we figure out what this looks like. So this is not only the proverbial cart before the horse. This is someone buying an insurance policy for a building, you know, what before the blueprints were even started up, (laughs) okay? I mean, you're buying an insurance policy before, not just before the building is built, but before the blueprints and the drawings get done, before you have the permits pulled to do any digging. I mean, when it's just an idea on the back of a coffee napkin, you go out and you buy yourself an insurance policy policy and start spending money when you have no idea what kind of insurance you're going to need on the building. Well, here they got these people out there trying to figure out, well, we want to dis, we want to defund and d- dismantle the police department, but we don't know what law enforcement is going to look like. So instead of having those discussions before they have any discussions at defunding, they're jumping right into defunding. Now, why are they doing this? Who are they doing this for? Who are they trying to appease? Well, folks, this isn't hard to figure out, but there's dark money that gets into this. You've got anti-American forces that are out there, globalist forces that are out there that are trying to take our president down. And the reason they're doing that is because our president has been so successful in, in, in establishing an America first agenda. An America first supply line. An America first, no matter what routine around the world is, is great for Americans, but it's not so great for the investors in China and the investors in Europe and the investors in Russia and everywhere else. So those investors are out there pouring money into this country's campaign. We call that dark money. I mean, 
How are they funding these riots? And, you know, some more evidence of that, some more evidence of that is the riots themselves going on in London and in other countries around the world. Why are there riots going on there? Protests, as they call them. Again, why are the Los Angeles City Council and the Minneapolis City Council and New York City and all these other people talking about defunding police and getting rid of the police departments? Why? Why are they approaching this insanity? Why are they being so overt with what their real intentions are? I, I find that very interesting. I really do. Where does this, where are they going with this? I mean, it used to be that these activists hid their real motives. It used to be that they hid their real agendas. But why are they not doing that now? Well, I contest it's because they know this is their battle of the bulge. They've lost the battle. They've lost this argument. They've lost it politically. And so now they're throwing everything out there. You see, these city council people, they know that the people in Minneapolis do not want to get rid of their police department. They know this, but they're doing this because they've lost the battle. And what they're doing right now is sort of like what what happened at the Battle of the Bulge when Germany threw everything into a battle that they knew they had to try to not to win the war because they knew that was done. They threw everything into the battle to inflict as much carnage and misery on their own people. Because what happens when evil people start to lose power is those evil people begin to to then want to impose misery and despair and and suffering on the people that they were controlling for so long. This is what happens. This is a natural instinct of the of evil itself. It's a characteristic of evil itself. And, and believe me, this is what's happening. And I, I believe that because these people understand that they don't have the public support for it. And so when this city councilwoman stood up there and said, we have the votes to overcome the mayor's you know, the mayor's uh, veto. Why is she saying that? Why is she supporting getting rid of the police when she knows there's nothing, there's not even a concept that they have and what to replace it with? Why? Because she wants to hurt the very people that are going to be hurt when these police departments are no longer there. You see, the very poor and very vulnerable are the most vulnerable when there's no police. And by getting rid of the police department, she's going to impose the most pain and suffering on the most needy in her communities. And she knows they've lost the battle. They understand it. If you don't believe that, you're, 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 you know, I, I got some mountain land I can sell you in Florida. I'm telling you, folks, these people know they've lost the war. They know that Joe Biden can't win this election. They know it. Every time that man opens his mouth, he sounds more ridiculous. They know that Trump's approval ratings are really in the low 50s, not the low 40s, not the mid 40s. I mean, I'm seeing some reasonable polls that show Trump approvals right at 50 percent. And I would tell you, folks, they're not even really polling what I would say is a is a good sampling of Republicans. It's more like 33, 33, 33 is what they're polling. I think you're going to see, or 33, 36 uh, or something with the Ds and then the rest of independents. But I think it's a little different. I think you're going to see about 40% D, about 38% R, and I think you're going to see about the rest being independent. And I think because, because and that's nationally. I think in, in states like Pennsylvania, we're going to outnumber the Democrats. I think by, I think we'll have over 70% turnout with the Republicans. And if we get over 70% turnout, we win a lot of races. Not just Trump, but we win a lot of races in Berks County. So they know they don't have any enthusiasm. They see the enthusiasm gap. A lot of these people know the polling, but they're being put out there. They're just useful idiots. Many of them, like I think these council people in Minneapolis, they don't really think very much of what I'm telling you. They, they're, not, they're not as informed as you and I are. They're just not politically. They're just out there trying to be activists. But they're being moved by people that give them money to run for these seats. 
and the powers that, that control these people. That's what they're being moved by. And so they're being driven by these, these interests, these special interests. They don't know why they're being told to get rid of the police force. They're just doing what they're told to do. And they are being sold a bill of goods when, they, when they're being told that, well, this is for the good of Minnesota. It's for the good of, it's for the good of all. It's for the good of racial tensions. But you see, they're not putting the facts out there. And this is what I want to make sure we're clear on. You know, the facts, the, the actual facts. You see, in 2019, we had about 1,004 total police killings of suspects in the act of apprehension. About 80% of those were noted with, with different races. So there were some that just, they, they didn't note the race. Of those that they noted the race on, okay, and, and of the ones that we're looking at here, I should say all of them. I mean, all of them, all 1,000, I guess. Uh, 98% of all those people that were killed of the, of the 1,004, 98%, okay, were armed suspects. That leaves us 2% of all the deaths occurring during police apprehension are with unarmed suspects. To try to put that in actual numbers, folks, it's just a small handful, a few dozen, okay? And when you look at the actual ones where they noted the race, nine cases were African-Americans that were unarmed that were killed across this country, killed in the, in the uh, act of apprehension by the police, nine. Of those nine, two of the police officers went to jail. Okay, so we know that. Folks, this is not this is not a problem that warrants this sort of a, a knee-jerk reaction. I've heard it said oftentimes, problems that you see oftentimes, you say, okay, well, you got to be careful. You want to moderate your response. You don't want to overcompensate your response from one end to the other. If you're, in, if you're in a gutter on one side of the road and you overcompensate, then you end up in the other gutter real fast. You want to just not overcompensate, but but you want to compensate enough just to make enough of a result or get, or get the result you're looking for. I mean, when you look at the entire year last year and saw nine cases in which unarmed black suspects were killed in the, in the acts of, of apprehending, you know, of the police apprehending them as suspects, nine African-Americans were actually killed. That's not a, a systemic problem. Okay. That's, I mean, and two of the police officers went, to jail. Now, does that mean that the other seven should have and didn't? I mean, I don't know. I mean, justice isn't always served, and that's the truth. Perhaps of the seven that were there, there there was something that was pending and some other issues. I haven't looked into all of that. I don't know the specifics behind all of that. But I do know that closing the police department is not the answer. That's not the solution. That's not the solution. And, you know, it's it's really an amazing fact that we, we don't want to overlook. And, 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 you know, when you look back on our history with it, 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 what we see with the with the media and how the media continually overhypes these things, these acts uh, and because they want to they want to highlight and hype up the racism element. They want to make it a racist act. They want to try to hype up the, you know, if you will, gin up the 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 emotions in people. I mean. You know, folks, if there were 900, I'd be more concerned, okay? I mean, but nine just doesn't seem to get it for me. I mean, that, that just doesn't seem to get – it doesn't play into a very strong evidence compelling on their part, on their side. I think if those facts were out there, you wouldn't see that. Now, again, I, you know, when, when you look back in, in, in all of this, you see that shutting down the police departments just doesn't get this to me. It just doesn't seem to – it doesn't seem to be the right solution, because you have to understand, you know, what 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 could they possibly see in all of this? Where could this possibly go? Well, one thing one thing we can't understand and we certainly can see is the the council members in Los Angeles and Minneapolis, along with their gut with their mayors, they're all Democrats. And that Democrats have run these cities. The Democrats have run these cities. And when you look at, well, since 2015, I think it is, all the different training and retraining and sensitivity training and psychological training and all the different training that all these police officers all around the country, 
They've all gone through. They've all gone through it. And we've seen a reduction. We have seen a reduction in the number of people killed, unarmed suspects, unarmed suspects killed during the act of apprehension by police drop significantly. It used to be in the 40s and 50s. Now it's, well, we found out it's nine last year. Of, 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 now, if you take the total, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm just talking about the, Afri- the, the cases involving African-Americans. I mean, if you look at all the cases, it's probably I think it was like 26 or something total cases in which unarmed suspects were were killed during the act of, of apprehension. But we're talking specifically about this because of all the sensitivity training that's going on because of the of the the outrage that went on in these communities. So it prompted actions by these cities and they've done focus group studies. They've done all of these other training studies to try to figure out how to to tailor their police departments so that you'd have fewer and fewer cases. Well, you've seen it. I mean, you're actually seeing fewer cases now. You know, and I think, again, going back to my Democrat colleagues, look at the facts. I mean, this is what I'm saying is look at the facts. What are the facts? And do the facts on the ground warrant in extreme action, but like closing the police departments. I, look, I think that's where I'm going with it. I'm just trying to bring some logic and some sensibility to this so we can all connect the dots together. I mean, what is it they're seeing? What is it that they're seeing that's causing them to want to do this? And do they really think it's a good thing? And like I told you before, I don't believe that these people think it's a good thing. I don't think these people see anything. I really don't think they have. I mean, as she said, as a councilwoman said, the, the chief councilwoman, the council president or whatever her position was on the council, she made the comment. She says, we ask our police to hang in there with us because we don't know what this is going to look like yet. But they're already, like I said, talking about defunding it. You know, how are they going to respond to emergencies and the other community needs that the police to respond to now? You know, instead of the police force, we're going to have, what, a peace force? I mean, they're going to come in with counselors, and I guess it's to call 311, not 911. I mean, they're going to defend and preserve peace, law and order with unicorns and social workers. Like I said, why are they so overt in this? And I think what we have to understand is I believe they are because they've already lost the battle. And I, and getting back to where I was going with this to bring this to a circle here, they they're evil people, and they they're they're I should say not not particularly they, particularly these council people may not be evil, but they're being led by evil forces, and they're certainly being misguided by the people that give them money. But it's also that the education system that is broken in this country. These people are all products of an education system. They've all graduated. I'm talking to everyone in that city council that's going there has been convinced and indoctrinated in our universities that we have a lot of racial problems in this country still. And, and, and I mean, we've made a lot of progress. And instead of the universities talking about all the good that's been done, all the progress that's been made, and also all that we do in this country to to free the oppressed and to help the oppressed around the world and the suffering, to relieve the suffering around the world. All that we do in this country, all that is meaningless to these people. I don't want to miss that. Folks, I cannot imagine a society without police. I just can't. And again, these activists are being portrayed in the Pravda media as brilliant, great leaders. I, I think it's amazing. So you see the you see these you see the complete destruction of our, of our education system in the last thirty years, and then you see the the, the highlighting of our Pravda propaganda media as they start playing the game, if you will, bringing on experts, fake experts, if you will to corroborate their, their narrative talking point, to bring up their, their idea. They create these stories. It's almost like they're, they're writing a script for a, a TV show. It's almost like they're trying to create a TV show script or something like that. And they're putting it together. They bring on all the actors. Here come the fake experts or all the actors. They're going to write this script. Okay. And... Part of that script is to portray these these community leaders as great and brilliant. 
I mean, unparalleled, unparalleled compassion and understanding. That's what you're seeing. I mean, this is the way they put them out there. I mean, and so you're watching the TV and you're listening to the descriptions of these activists. Uh, you know, they're being called brilliant and compassionate, unparalleled, brilliant leaders with unparalleled compassion and understanding. And so you're being sold at. It's like listening to a lousy song. You're like listening to a, a musician, a singer, a, sing a song out of key the entire time. And you're being told as you're wincing on every note that the singer says, you're being told that that's the best song and the best way it's ever been sung by anybody ever heard by the people on the TV. So you're being told one thing on the television, but you're hearing with your own ear something else. And I think that's what's happening today. And we see this. We see this going on when they portray these 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 leaders as great, brilliant people. They're just out of touch. They really are. They're they're. They're, they're proving it. They're make great China great again. Globalist Democrats want a war with the police. That's basically what this is all about. You know, why are they doing this? Because they want to sink the police. They want to instill misery on those that the police do most for in the inner cities. You know, you got police union leaders out there saying, we don't like to be dragged through the mud, but when you're calling for reform for things we're already reforming on, let's cut the comedy. So this is what we're talking about here. They're already making tremendous progress. And we look at the 2019 numbers, and I want to make sure that was last year. When you look at the numbers that came up last year, the number of people that unarmed suspects that were killed in the act of apprehension with the police. There was only, it was like less than 30. I think it was like 28 total. And nine of them were African-Americans. So these are the facts that I want to listen to these fake experts have answers for. Where is, the, where is the systemic problem that they claim is out there? And, of course, they draw racism like a gun, the word, boom, 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 like a, like a cowboy in a B-movie draws the gun. They just draw it out there, which diminishes the, the meaning of the word completely because all of us know what it is when we see it. And, I mean, you know, but they, they want to connect bad customer service to racism. They want to connect bad police work to racism. They want to connect, you know, bad weather to racism. They want to connect everything to racism. And this is what you see right now. They draw it like a cowboy draws a gun. I've never seen anything like it. But what all this infighting does, see, this is what all this, this is what the devil's got all this chaos going on. What does all this infighting do? It emboldens the criminals. You know, the, the cops aren't going to get out there to enforce anything. They're going to be under attack all the time. The cops don't want to they don't want to let crime statistics skyrocket. They really don't want to do that. However, if if they're going to cut funding, if you're going to threaten them every time they they do anything, I mean, they're not going to. They're just going to. You're going to basically take away their their confidence that they can do their job, and they're not going to be able to, to do anything because there's not going to be a budget or there's going to be public outcry every time they do anything. Look, when crime eventually does skyrocket, and it will, if you you defund the police, it, it will. And, and let me just, I want to add to that for a second. First off, what's going to happen? Is that even possible? Can Minneapolis and can Los Angeles, can they get rid of their police departments? You know, let me just say this, folks. I don't believe they really can. I, I don't know this. I'm just making a, a, a kind of a logical conclusion here. I think that the state assemblies and the governors are going to have some say into this. We're not talking about some little town that says, well, we can't afford our police department, so we're going to merge with these other towns and create like a regional police department. That's not what we're talking about here. But that might be part of the plan. We don't know because the city councilwoman doesn't want to tell anyone. But I think what's going to end up coming out of this is you're going to see, well, you see the reactions and the emotions of these people. And but what's eventually going to likely come out of this is you're going to see the, the states step in and say, you can't do that. Or the states are going to step in and say, OK, if you do that, we're going to have our state police set up barracks there and we're going to build the city every time we well, we're going to build a city every day for a daily rate, if you will. It's sort of like what happens in a lot of these states, like even in Pennsylvania, where, you know, these little municipalities where they don't have police. Well, the state troopers have barracks set up 
And I, you know, I believe there's a fee that is paid. I believe there's something that's paid. I believe I, I could be wrong, but there's something that these communities pay for the service. And I think like even, you know, in different counties, like in Florida, for instance, you got the sheriff office and the sheriff's office in the counties who are the actual police who actually police the areas that are unincorporated in these counties. So, you know, where I used to live down in Florida, you have different things down there going on. So you have different municipalities, you have their own little police, and then you got the, the sheriff's office, which handles the areas outside of those municipalities. So I do think they're going to, you're not going to see them getting rid of the police. I, I think what I'm marveling at, and the reason we've spent about a half hour talking about this, is because it's so unbelievably unexplainable. I mean, how, how you'd have elected officials, elected activists, I'm going to say activists, but they're still elected, representing a complete community, a complete city of about a half a million people. How they're talking about getting rid of their police is just unbelievably unthinkable and unexplainable. And how they would go into that conversation, what would motivate that conversation? We talked a little bit about that because I'm trying to unpack that. Because there's a reason that they're doing this. Are they being pressured by outside organizations? Are they being pressured by, by, by other, um, you know, uh, other activist organizations out there? I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that they're being directed to do this and they're being guided by their emotion. But it's sort of like I talked to one guy one time. I, I had a conversation with a, the brother of a, of a, of a dear friend of mine. And he was a one-time Marxist, this guy. And he and I talked for two and a half hours one night a few years ago, and it was the most revealing conversation I think I'd ever been in. But he and I talked, and uh, he talked about how he used to be a Marxist. He goes, I was an actual Marxist, he said. He was a Marxist that actually uh, was in it because he wanted to protest the war back in the Vietnam days. He said, what happens, Clay, is these activists, these anti-American activists, he says, they seize on the emotion, what emotion I have. And at the time, the emotion I had was anti-war. So even though the issue didn't mean anything to these activists, uh, to these Marxists, what meant anything to them was their basic desire to motivate, I should say, to steer him and his energy, but to, to, to exploit his, his, his emotions and to steer his energies into into his actions. So they were trying to basically get him to work for them, and they were going to use as energy, as the fuel for the actions, they were going to pretend to take up issue with his issue, which was the anti-war movement. And he understood that was a phony thing because he's a very smart man, and he started seeing through the phony exploits of these people. And he really started to understand that they didn't care about him. They didn't care about the people around him. And they didn't care about his issue. They just wanted him to work for them. They cared about destroying this country. And it was at that point that this, this person woke up and said, what am I doing? And, and again, I believe God touched him to see it. Because I think God enables us to see things that we don't normally see. So why these people are looking to defund the police department, I don't believe that they think there's anything good as, as that'll come from it. As we understand now that the city council leader made a comment, she made it very clear. They have no idea what this is going to look like. But she's doing this because she's steered by her emotions. I, as I said, I don't believe they're I believe that these are profane people. They're, 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 they, they don't really have a belief in God or a foundation in truth and in God. If they did, they wouldn't have this kind of emotion. They wouldn't have this kind of fear. They would be grounded in truth and in facts and in understanding. They'd at least want to know what cases were out there. They would at least do some, get an understanding of, well, we started, we started with this major concern you know, five, seven, eight years ago, six years ago, how much progress have we made in this country? They would at least ask those questions. They would at least look at the history of the Minneapolis Police Department and see how many cases they had where there were questions of police uh, brutality against certain people. They would want to know these facts. You would think they would want to know this. You would think that these people that were looking to defund the police would want to get these facts together and they would not want to understand what exactly they were trying to, to change from, okay? Because had they gotten their facts, they would have seen drastic improvements, 
across the country, and they certainly would have seen drastic improvements within their own city. You see, folks, that's kind of like where I'm at on this. And I, I think that, you know, we have people being misguided by emotions. They're being misguided by their emotions. They're wanting they wanting to go the extreme step because they believe this is actually worse than it really is, or they believe that, or they, well, they don't know anything. They just They just think that it's something they need to do. I mean, you've got people coming out of college today, okay, that believe that everyone's an oppressor, okay, that we're all oppressors. Some are just worse than others. I mean, this is coming out of our intersectional studies in, in colleges. I mean, if you looked at what some of the kids are learning in college on intersectional studies and on gender theorists and whatnot, you would be astounded to understand that these children are being educated and indoctrinated with complete and utter drivel and, quite frankly, very destructive theologies. Destructive in the sense that it tears down the very apparatus that I believe that the founding fathers set up in this country, which is the right to pursue our happiness, our economy, our middle class. You see, folks, the police are the protectors of the middle class. That's who they are. And we're putting them under attack. So you would wonder, and you got to ask, so do these city officials, do they do they know these facts? You know, I, I only know them because Tucker Carlson brought them up, and I went, oh, my goodness, and I made it a point to write them down. And uh, I believe he got them from the Washington Post. I don't recall it, but there, I think he got it from the Washington Post. But I, I don't recall where he got it from, but I, I remember writing it down. I was thinking to myself, this is incredible. And, again, it, it all comes down to the facts that you get because you understand when you know that we've made progress in this area, then where are you going with this dialogue? Where are you going with this rhetoric? Where are you going with this hyped up emotion? What is the reason that we're trying to gin up this abase, this emotion, and trying to gin up this, this concern and fear and anxiety? Why are we doing this? You see, folks, I'm, I'm saying this. This is sort of a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, our audience right now, to, under, to ask that very question. Because when you ask the why are they doing it, when you ask the question about why this discussion is taking place, when you ask as to why they're doing this without getting their facts together, the answer is pretty much the same. Okay, They're being utilized, I believe, by by forces that are driving this anti-American, this globalist theology. I mean, people that are trying to change this country and take away our, our country, the deep state, if you will, or maybe it's just uh, outside forces like George Soros types. I don't know. But whatever it is, there's there's dark forces, there's sinister forces, there's evil out there that are driving and motivating these people. This is a battle between good and evil, folks. Make no mistake about this. Ephesians 6 talks about the battle between good and evil. It talks about putting on the armor of God. Folks, let me tell you, we're in a battle between good and evil. That's what this is. And I believe that evil is out there utilizing these people like the Marxists used those activists in the 60s and 70s. This is going on today. They're trying to destroy this country, which reminds me of, of the eternal nature that we all are. Because when you see these battles going on, these forces that are in the, in the world of the unseen, if you will, then you understand that we are in an eternal struggle here. And our very country is at stake. Uh, I heard somebody call it Armageddon. I mean, Trump has to win this election. Losing is unthinkable. Unthinkable. When you want to ask the question as to why the the evangelicals, the Christians, are so motivated to go vote, understand that we see it from a, a uh, I want to say, a, a, a perspective, a different perspective, a different lens. I mean, others see it differently. I mean, you're going to, a lot of people may disagree with me. I mean, I, I see it from an evangelical perspective, an evangelical lens. I see it from a lens that, that says that this is a battle between good and evil. Some see it as more of a pragmatic battle. I don't know. However you look at it, our crusader-in-chief is under attack. Our crusader-in-chief, our Gideon with a sword, he's under attack. And they're under they're, they're attacking us. And 
losing is just unthinkable. It's just unthinkable. You know, and, and I want to say this too. I can't underemphasize this. All this proves, again, that this is a battle between good and evil, that there truly is a deep state. They have control of these activist mayors and these activist city councils. And is it, I mean, it's, I, I think, I mean, I'm a, a, a deep state, it's, it's sort of like a dark enemy, if you will. And somehow they're getting these people on their side. I mean, when you can actually get elected officials, well-intended people, to stand there and say, we must defund the police. You've got to understand that there's something very evil and sinister going on that's, that is kind of, it's like the hand, it's like the puppet master, the hand inside these people are, are manipulating these people. There's, an, there's a control in these people that is a very scary thing. There's a very scary force that's steering these people. Very scary force. I mean, you know, this is the beginning of the end in, 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 in the sense if we don't win this. Because we have to defang this monster. And I think Trump will do it. I, I think, you know, there's a lot that can be done in the universities and the schools, the public schools in the next four years. There's a lot that can be done to, to the public universities or the private universities that are looking for this, uh, the guaranteed student loans that come in there. When the government who controls the student loans says that they want education to be a certain way, it's going to be that way or they won't guarantee the loans. I think it's that simple. I mean, there's one thing that the government's going to have when they control all the student loans, they guarantee these student loans. There's one thing the government's going to have, and that's a lot of say in how the education system's being handled. It's the same thing in the public, in the public school systems. I mean, when you not only get rid of Common Core, but you get back to the, to the, to the actual education system that we need to be getting back into so that the state cores don't even exist anymore. It's basically just teach these kids like we used to back in the 70s, when, back in the days when we had the best education system on planet Earth. You know, those days. I mean, this is what's going to happen. And once you, because we have to repair the number one system and the, 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 one, the most important system in this country that's been completely ravaged, and that's the education system. That's got to be repaired. And when you fix that, then you're actually going to create a workforce that can actually compete in an ever-changing world and, and actually compete in a very real way. But again, uh, you know, how do we how do we unite people? I think they hear all this discussion about uniting people. How do we unite people? We got to unite people. Everybody, we got to be united. You know, where do you where is there where is there middle of the road with people who want to get rid of the police? Where where is the compromise there? I mean, where, where is the compromise with people that say, I want to get rid of the police? I mean, how is that a good idea? And again, it's like sort of trying to unite oil and water. So this is not about compromising, folks. This is about just saying, look, this is, that's a crazy idea. We're not doing it. And rational, intelligent people come in and get elected and, and run these cities again. Okay. I mean... You know, where do you meet people halfway? Where do you meet where do you meet Governor Wolf halfway when he seems to be rooting for the protesters and rooting against the small business owners? Where's the halfway point with Governor Wolf there? Like I said, Governor Wolf's a liar. Where do you meet halfway? Where where do you meet a liar in between? Where's the middle ground with a liar? Uh, and again, why is he lying? What is his motive for lying? Why? Because it's a political, a political game that he's playing. Make no mistake about it. I mean, when we live in a society where you could actually say "Make America Great Again" are fighting words, that's an amazing society. I'm blown away that people would see that as offensive. I really am. To me, that's breathtaking. That's absolutely breathtaking. And, you know, I, I just I, I want us to understand, you know, there was a uh, an old parody that came out. It was a, a little like a like a fable, like an Aesop type fable. It wasn't an Aesop fable. It was a fable type story. A little bird falls out of a tree. He's making a lot of noise. And then along comes a cow. He sees the little bird there. Helpless little bird. And uh, he turns around. He drops a cow pie right on the bird. Okay. 
Well, then the bird's not making any more noise anymore. So the bird's all nice and cozy and warm in the cow pie. It's a nice, it's a warm, it's a cool night. So he's nice and happy in the cow pie. But here comes a coyote. Coyote comes by and he takes the little bird out of the cow pie and he brushes off the cow pie from the bird. Gets the bird all brushed off and then he eats the little bird. You see, folks, people that throw dirt on you aren't always trying to hurt you. It's just incidental. And people that come along to take you out of the mess aren't always trying to help you. They may have something much more devious and nefarious and hurtful in mind. And I think we, we have to remember that there's a lot to be understanding in life itself. But when we start calling people names like racists, we start throwing those terms around all the time. And we don't get the facts together to back up what we're talking about. I mean, we, we start we start highlighting every incident we're missing the entire narrative we're missing the entire discussion and i think folks that's what we have to avoid that's what we have to avoid we, we've got to get the facts on this well <clears throat> thanks for being with us we're out of time thanks for all of our listeners for tuning in we appreciate you listening to us this morning to the point tune in every saturday morning at 7 a.m right here on am radio 1180 wfyl for this distinct compelling discussion some of our audience listens to The Point live at 1180WFYL.com by going to that website uh, during normal listening time and clicking Listen Live. Others go to YouTube during normal listening time, during normal airtime, and they click Listen Live there. Others listen to us while they're in the listening area, and others listen to us on the podcast. However you choose to do it, we appreciate it, and that's why we're here. So thank you again for being with us. See you next Saturday on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.